Welcome back guys to episode 17 of the weekly podcast of Scrubbed In. For today's episode, we're going to change it slightly and talk about something perhaps not as exciting as before. So we're going to be talking about our first ever death. Um, and it's important that we mention, if you're not a big fan or you're not too fond of hearing about such things, we're more than happy for you to skip this week's episode and wait for next week's one. Mm-hmm. But death certifying death seeing your first ever death as a um, a junior doctor is something that medical school most definitely does not teach you um so let's just get straight into it tell us about the first death you experienced as a doctor you know what looking looking back right med school only teaches you how to save lives yeah teaches you als bls all of those things where if someone's deteriorating, what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? But never, never about death, right? Mm. My first ever death was during ward round. We were on the ward round. I was with the consultant in another complete bay. Suddenly the alarm goes off. When the alarm goes off, your heart rate starts to jump already mm. because now you know someone's in significant trouble. Mm. The arrest bell. So you, I ran over, I ran over, and I ran over. The most comforting feeling at the time was that someone more senior was there already before me. Mm. Okay, but you're obviously there doing everything. This lady, um, she was on the commode and then she was put into the bed because she arrested. Mm. And we're doing CPR. We're getting oxygen into her. Mm. We're trying to get access. And um, there was quite a few individuals there. And I was given the task of get access into this patient. Mm. Right. So. I was there trying to cannulate this patient, trying to get the needle into a vein, right? Mm. You have to remember when someone's arrested, their veins and peripherally, they often just shut down. So there's no shutting down. And in my head, there's adrenaline going through me because mm. I'm thinking, if I don't get this in, we have no access, we can't get fluids into it, we can't get medication. It's my fault. It's mm. my fault. And I remember thinking about that. This will be my fault. Mm. I couldn't get in, I couldn't get in. And there's other people trying in several different limbs at mm. the same time. No one's getting access. Um, and I remember feeling like, why can't I do this? Why this is important? Adrenaline going through me again. I'm going absolutely ballistic inside. Um, I remember the room was for me on fire. Um, and then in the end, one of the anesthetists literally shoved me off and put in an interosseous, which is into oh, the it, bone. Did the interosseous, yeah. Uh, not myself, so the anesthetist yeah. just put it straight in. And then we had it going in. Um, and then the rule is the four H's and T's, which is the checks that we go through. And she didn't survive, man. She didn't survive. There's quivering in my voice talking about this. It's weird. There's qu- I'm quivering. We've never talked about you, know. Talking about death. Um, it was my first step. And I remember I didn't want to work. And mm. I walked away, consultant, Reg, and everyone. They just, they obviously, they've seen a lot of deaths. Mm. They've managed it. They've almost gotten used to it in a mm. sense. And I was there shocked as the FY1. Who's just started? I'm the only F1 there. Mm. I have to do all the jobs from the ward round, mm-hmm. and I was just shell shocked, absolutely shell shocked. My reg saw it and was like, "You need to take a break. Yeah, just right. go and take a break." And I was shell shocked, and I went to the bathroom, right? And I felt sick. I felt nauseous. Mm. I was like, "What? What? What could have happened if I got access into her earlier?" Mm. And then I was thinking things like. But what if the day before, mm. if we had done this, could mm. we have prevented? And you start thinking so many scenarios where, is it your fault, right? Is it your fault? That, that just, it just runs through your mind. And I think emotionally it is, it's so enduring, it's so exhausting mm. mentally um, to go through it. Mm. I remember it as 
clear as daylight. Mm. What about you? What do you think? Man, um, there's a few deaths I want to talk about. And obviously, mm. after a year, you've seen a fair few. But I just want to talk about the ones that kind of hit me or what Lee, they, it left a big impression with me. So um, there was, so one of my first few deaths, but the first one was an ITU death. Mm. Um, so it was a 61-year-old gentleman who, he came into hospital, he had a fall, um, he was in recess in A&E, um, with dropping blood pressure, in and out of like consciousness, um, and I'll kind of cut to the chase, he essentially had a splenic rupture. Mm-hmm. He had about four to five liters of blood pooling in his abdomen. So obviously he was deteriorating very badly. Um, and it was me and my consultant. And I remember him, despite being in and out of consciousness, he was one of the most pleasant men I've ever mm-hmm. met in my life. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't communicate. So mm-hmm. in medicine, we, for everything we do, we always need consent. So if I was to take bloods of arms, mm-hmm. like arms, I'm going to take some blood, or I need to do this and this. And he just smiled and he used to put his thumbs up. And mm-hmm. I do the thumbs up thing. So at the end of a ward run, or when I'm leaving the hospital, I go around and I put thumbs up to all my patients, mm-hmm. make sure they're doing all right, and then I leave. And he did that and it kind of, it hit with me for some reason. And he's just like, yeah, do it, whatever. And we were doing the most. We're giving him blood transfusion, prepping him for surgery. After surgery, he went into IT. IT, obviously, he had like low plexus. A lot of mm. medical things happened to him. And we're taking blood off him, putting lots of different lines in. And IT, people that know it, is essentially where we're looking after your organs for you. But it means there's loads of pipes going into you. Mm. There's, if in any way possible, there's, we're just monitoring it. And it's not a pleasant place to be. Not at all. Um, not at all. And every time I go in, he just put his thumbs up, put his thumbs up. And he's like, do whatever you want, do whatever you want. And like, you know, and there are people that, you know, they don't even like taking blood. And then there was that one night where he was struggling to breathe. Um, his, you know, his respiratory was dropping. He ended up getting sepsis and he just passed away. So the next morning when we came to a ward run, we came to see him and only here is, you know, he's passed away. And that hit me, man. It just like, cause for me, it was like, he was on the verge of death. Luckily we went in, saved him, sorted out the spleen. So we took out the spleen, mm. sorted him out. He was recovering. Yeah. So the problem with this death was he was recovering and doing so well. And then he suddenly mm. deteriorated and passed away. That got me, not the fact yeah. that, all right, his prognosis is poor. We couldn't go in. We couldn't operate on him. Okay, there's a high chance of being the chance. And he was about to be stepped down to the ward, bro. Do you know what mm. I mean? Stepped down to the yeah. ward that night, respiratory arrest. And then he, he unfortunately passed away. And the next day, and you get to know the family. That's what it is, man. Like, again, free yeah, like, all, man. And it got me, man. And I, like, he was, and the bit was like, do whatever you want. And he's just putting his thumbs up and he's like, yeah. And I did a manual evacuation, which mm. I don't want to talk about on camera. It's essentially, he couldn't pass stool, open his bowel, so we had to go in and manually remove things. Like, And he was the most pleasant man, man. And it just murked me, even to today, mm. man, it gets me. You know what you touched on there, which is quite important. And, and for all the medics in training or the aspiring medics or the current medics now, you'll find that as doctors, you build relationships. Mm. And they become your own, like your own mother, your own father, Mm. your own uncle, your own brother, your own sister. Mm. And seeing them deteriorate like that is when your heart breaks. Because they're like, it's like see watching your own uncle, father deteriorate. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And it's one of the hardest things because emotionally, um, medicine, as part of school, maybe they're starting to do it now. But 
I didn't find that I was trained in that way with that resilience to not to still be able to stand strong cuz let's be honest mm. a death can affect you it can completely derail you you might not want to come yeah, back to work the next day it takes a hit and i remember like a it's not a death mm. but um it may come as a death for some people so i'm one of us in gaini and we had a lady who came in um a 40 something year old lady who the background is she's 41 she mm. had ivf pregnancy before had two twins who passed away mm. so this was her kind of second and last time of having a baby and she had a so she came into any crying of abdominal pain lots of bleeding from down below mm. and obviously she was pregnant and one of the as you probably know in any the first thing is like is she having a miscarriage so she was having an active miscarriage so essentially she was mm. pushing out the fetus and it was around 17 or 18 weeks if i can remember correctly So when I went in to examine her and basically with an active miscarriage they're pushing out the fetus or what we call fetal products mm. and you're basically removing it. Um and I remember I went in and when I opened up I essentially saw a fetus this big literally mm. the size of this imagine the textbooks images you see or in science you know that it basically resembled a very very small baby and it literally was there mm. with the, mm. the umbilical cord attached and I remember So obviously she lost the baby and she mm. was screaming and wailing and the whole any and that was a basically I lost it like mm. I had to leave me and the nurse because I've never seen this anything before mm. Bayman we've only been doctors for a year yeah, neither yeah. had the nurse or never seen it in this situation like this where the whole fetus is out in one go and I had to take a break man it messed me up and like you it's like you don't mm. want to do anything you just want to go home yeah, that day. Of, yeah. it messed me up so much I couldn't stop thinking about it and I came and I had to like like you said and all the episodes I tried to tie in like I had to get off my chest man I remember I spoke mm. and called my cousin and I was like bro look just listen hear me out don't say anything but I just need to see what happened out. I need to get off my chest and that kind of I can imagine something would be a death because it was a loss of a fetus and it just it psychologically it it kind of affected me very bad very deeply exactly um, and every time I go past that bay she was in I still remember it man so um, mm. and you know what coming back again It's beautiful how these episodes are tied together now. Um one of the senior doctors did notice that I was clearly shell shocked mm. and was trying to do whatever they could to sort of support mm. me in any way. And I think as doctors it's important, as medics it's important. There was a study mm. um for medics especially showing that they were at higher risk of developing uh, mental health conditions mm. and depression and things like that, right? And death is a serious risk factor. Mm. coming across death like this think about I'm how you felt yeah. how I felt in that situation you can completely derail again um, so it's important we're supportive yeah. with the travel especially did you get any support yeah i spoke to um so you had your so you had your cousin who you called up so yeah, that and it was the nurse as well who saw it sometimes mm. when you experience because i experienced it with her so mm-hmm. i was basically removing the product and you you send it to the to the mm. labs with the permission to kind of test and see if there is any cause they can find as to why mm. the the mother had a miscarriage and me and the nurse we were we kind of supported each other and we took a breather in the storeroom mm. and we're like that was like you know and the thing with medics is you have to act strong and know what you're doing for the patient yeah so, and it's a very difficult because place. they deserve it at the same time yeah, they, so they need someone they need strong. someone that's calm and collected mm. and managing them bear in mind her blood pressure is dropping and we're trying to infuse her do you know what i mean because mm. she's bleeding a fair bit so you don't even get to 
not grieve, but you don't even get to understand the full thing properly because you're in this work and mode at the same time. So it's this thing, like, you mm. know, when you're, you said the room was on fire, it's like, I need to sort her out. I've just seen something that's crazy. I've never seen this in my life. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I need to stabilize her. Oh, she's going to bleed to death. Do you know exactly, what I mean? And exactly. you know, if, by the time you've got over one thing, you're sorting another thing and she might need surgery or I don't know if there's retained products of tissue inside. Yeah. So luckily I had my cousin who was the first person I saw my phone call mm-hmm. him and the nurse was there. It's, Why did you call me, man? Bro, he was there. He called me, called me. I <laughs> called him call? straight. Um, but I think I told no, you. I don't know. I told you. I told you and I told everyone. As soon as I came mm-hmm. that weekend, I told all my friends and everyone, I had to get off my chest and it's like mm-hmm. I had to tell people because even now I'm in shock. Did, yeah. did you find this hard? So one thing I found, right, is after you experience mm-hmm. that, right, you have to remember once also the need of you staying strong mm-hmm. for the person you're also treating because they're also deteriorating. Yeah. The next patient who knows nothing about what you've experienced, mm-hmm. what you've seen, mm-hmm. what you've been doing, but you have to, they also are, they are deserved of the best care. They yeah, deserve to have the best version of you, which mm. is the strong, resilient, knowledgeable doctor, mm. right? Did you have any difficulty when it came to the next patient you saw? Did the emotions of the for previous me, case affect you? Luckily for me, at that point, another mm. SHO, so another junior doctor who's a few years older, mm. came in and I just said, listen, so what we do, we cover a and someone mm-hmm. there's ever... A problem that concerns us we get the call and the next call came in and i said to the lady i said listen to my colleague i said i can't do this i need a break and luckily she was there so she took the uh, pieces okay. but like you mentioned i'm sorry if i had to go see that second patient i wouldn't have been thinking mm. correctly and i don't mm. think as a doctor it's safe for me to be in that environment mm-hmm. so i just told her you know what do it and she's like she saw it and she mm. knew and she's like yeah just go take a breather take a five minute break come back and mm. she went and saw the next patient I think so that, that mm. saved me because I know, like you said, it will, you know, I'm not sure if you experienced it, mm. but... No, 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 I... Because you probably have to be on with the rest of your day, to be honest, man. Yeah, but but again, like you, so this, this I think we're highlighting good things that's in our environment, which is our seniors or our Quite colleagues... Supportive, yeah. Uh, take, uh, sort of taking the bat on when when we, we can't hold the baton at the current uh, time. Mm. So similarly, I missed, uh, in terms of the ward round, they saw one or two patients and then mm. I rejoined them. Mm. Um... But I think that's a very wise piece of advice that you've given, which is mm-hmm. that when you feel that you aren't at your best, take a break, tell someone, or because that will allow you to process everything that you go through, especially death. As we said, med school does not prepare you for death. Mm-hmm. And so if you need that time to process, process it, because like we said, the next patient deserves the best version of you. Yeah, and you need to look it? after yourself and you need to make mm-hmm. sure you're thinking well mm. incorrectly and they need you the reason as to why they're in hospital exactly so you know you need to be thinking straight so mm. those were two other things is there any other deaths you remember in particular um it's that it's that do, do you get the feeling of so as a doctor obviously we feel like mm. we can do everything yeah i have a but like that, some yeah. cases they're just inevitable they're inevitable mm. You just cannot do anything. You're pumping through fluids, mm. blood. Um, yeah, doing you're everything. Doing everything possible, mm. right? And your heart's racing away. The numbers aren't improving. The obs aren't improving. No matter what you do, the defibs on. You're shocking mm. them. Mm. And do you ever just zone out and get tunnel vision and just look at it and think, why can't we do it? Do you yeah. ever get that sensation of? That invincibility that we think we have, that I we're think, yeah. taught to believe we have, isn't actually there. I had 
so touching on that this mm. superhero complex that medics have yeah i ha- i learned <coughs> a very valuable lesson mm. um oh you told me about this one this, yeah. this this death happened in one of my first set of nights mm. not one of my first, like when i was in the, the, the medicine mm. rotation i was on nights and and i had this so as the months go on you become a bit more confident mm. you know your uncles and you kind of learn how to manage things so I think in a way it was good. It kind mm. of humbled me to a certain degree. I had a patient on the respiratory ward, um, known COPD, known um, like you know community acquired pneumonia, who wasn't doing too great, but was stable. Um, and all of a sudden, I got this bleep. So I got a call from the from the nurses saying, you know, doctor, can you come and review this patient? He doesn't seem to be doing too well. And I'd bear in mind I'd seen him like an hour or two earlier. He was fine, mm. and they're saying his saturations are dropping. So essentially the amount of oxygen um, he's got in his body was dropping and it was dropping very rapidly. And despite doing the first steps, he's basically putting on you know a mask with 15 liters of oxygen, smashing it in, propping him upright, mm. doing all the things. It wasn't improving. And the key thing in this was he was deteriorating or his saturations were deteriorating very rapidly. So I came and I saw him and I'm like, you know, the superhero guy. Bear in mind, I've only been a doctor for eight months, and you know, you get this peak where, like, oh my god, I can manage anything, and you're there, and I'm trying to manage him, but nothing's working. But mm. I haven't done medicine long enough to start thinking very laterally, and I'm thinking, you know, is it COPD? Is it a pulmonary embolism? Is it a blood clot in the lungs? Mm. Is his um, infection being exacerbated for something? What's happening? And I'm trying to sort it, sort it, it's deteriorating, and then. It got to a point where I called my reg, so the reg trust, so who's a middle grade doctor, a lot more senior, and I mm. said, yo, this situation come up. And first thing he said to me, he said, why didn't you call me earlier? Why didn't you call me at this point in time? And I was like, I thought I could manage it. He's like, no. The reason why I'm here is me and he literally dropped what he did in there and he came and saw us and we're both trying to essentially resuscitate this patient. And uh, so we get in this merge, you know, you get poor, but mm-hmm. you're essentially finding out what's happening. We don't know what's figuring out. And then while the, the, the patient was deteriorating and i learned something he's a consultant now he basically said call the family call the family tell them to come in this patient ain't going to do too well and i don't know if he's going to make it or not um and i'll tell you what happened with this consultant a few days afterwards anyway and we saw the x-ray but you can't really see anything on the x-ray it looks normal and then he was like this guy's got a mucus plug and the thing with a mucus plug is essentially there's a clot in the lungs with a mucus plug mm. from the secretions and whatnot we couldn't clear it and he said the reason, one of the reasons as to why someone deteriorates that bad is if they've got a mucus plug in their lungs and you can't really do much about it. And he ended up passing away that night. And the one thing I learned, or a handful of things I learned that night was, regardless of who you are, don't think you're a superhero. You may have done things mm-hmm. lots of times, but there is support for you. Um, and this thing is like, some death is inevitable. Like you're gonna lose the patient. There's not much you can do. It's sometimes a bit too late. You can do your best, mm-hmm. always call for support. And one thing I learned from him, and at King's, personally, I think they teach us this very well, is communication skills. Mm, he had excellent communication skills, but he had excellent communication skills not only with the patient, but with the family. A lot of complaints in the NHS, mm. in hospitals, happen because of poor communication. Mm. So from the statistics, the main reason as to why loads of patients complain, loads of people are unhappy with the service is because there's a lack of communication, communication. or ineffective communication. So that's something to be mindful of. And he had this practice so we do a set of nights so you do like four days four nights in a row and i worked with him and every time a patient was deteriorating he would always call the family he'd always call 
the family tell them to come to see them and say, look, you're, 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 you know, it's always the parents. Your parents are doing too well. I think if you want, you can come and see them. This is the situation. He was always honest and direct. And I learned that the post mm. communication and doesn't matter if it's morning, night, I think families appreciate knowing that. I think there's a tendency in medicine to kind of not say exactly what's happening. Um, because we think we're going to yeah. be the superhero, yeah. I guess. So I think that death was a learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. Completely, man. Um, Talking about death is yeah. even ex- it's draining, man. That death, I think, at the same time, I always want to sort of stay in tune with mm. how my emotions are because mm. I don't ever want to become desensitized. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, it allows you to feel what it feels like, and you get to there's, there's a bond, and you understand how the family around and everyone is feeling, which you can hopefully process quicker. And then yeah. be a form of support. I think um, saying that naturally, mm. I know, and I I know it's bad. I feel that we will become very desensitized to death, mm-hmm. even at home. And the funny thing is, um, when people come to me or say like, "I've got this pain here, I've got that pain here," because mm-hmm. I'm so used to seeing people on the verge of death, mm-hmm. because I'm so used to seeing people so bad and so deteriorating mm-hmm. that normal things like a cut or a bruise or grey, <laughs> it doesn't affect like, me. And I'm like, listen, like. You know, I I'm have you know I'm being mm-hmm. called to see people who complain they can't breathe and they're holding the neck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they complain your chest tightness, your little cut and bruise. <laughs> but for that person, that is a big that thing. Is a big that's thing. their pain. Exactly. But the problem is we're so desensitized, or rather, the word sensitized to all, it doesn't affect me. But, so I think. But I think it, what it what it is is that maybe maybe I've not chosen the right word, but I want to always understand what it feels like mm. for. The surrounding people and mm. for the patient yeah so if it's empathy know, in it. yeah exactly so I putting yourself in their that. shoes mm. and i think it's important as a doctor to be able to be it's one of the key skills you, mm. you, need, you need for medics or prospective medical students if you want to be a good doctor mm. i'd say develop your empathy skills in essence putting your shoe putting yourself in someone else's shoe because we're used to it we see on a regular basis but for that person that death is that death that is their mom that is their father mm. that is a close and beloved relative for them um so i think it is important that we always remain mm-hmm. conscious of death um i know some people may wonder how does the process work of death as a doctor i know we've talked about experience mm-hmm. but do you want to explain what, how it works? So like, you know, someone passed away and I'm the nurse and I'm called like, you know, mm. Dr. Chaudhry, do you mind coming and sort of So what does that process entail? How do you feel? When so, so yeah, so when you get the call, your heart drops straight away because mm. it means it's a death that mm. you're going to deal with. And I think then you go to certify death. Yeah. Um, when you go to certify death, you're looking for signs of life, mm. making, checking their breathing, checking if they are breathing, sorry. Mm. Um, checking if they've got a pulse, if they've mm. got a heart rate, if you can ask us, us anything at all. Um, essentially, just doing a, a check over of signs of life, signs yeah. of life, and then you just document. So, how do you feel that, that the first time I did that? I didn't know how to do it. So, the mm. first person I had to certify death on, I had mm. to go geeky medics yeah. and learn it because mm-hmm. um, you do it in proxy, but. Yeah. Medicine teaches you, but they never, you never do it. You're not going to be certified yeah. as a medical student. So the exactly. first time, and it happens to be on nights. Like every time I was on nights, I was certified. It was on nights, yeah. um, it's I, a weird experience, a very surreal experience because I don't know how to put it in words. I don't think you can ever put it in words, certifying death. It's just a bitter moment. It's a weird you, moment. You know what? When I did my first one or two, right? Mm. Um, it was one of those things where I was also very cautious yeah. because it was like, once I say there's no signs of life, mm. 
it means there's no signs of life. So I would be there with my stethoscope, and I was there for a very long time. Yeah, and I, was like, I know what you mean. The interference from my stethoscope was causing noise, and in my head I was like, but what if that was their heartbeat? So I'd be, I was there for a very long time. I got the nurse to, I was like, here, put the stethoscope mm. on. Can you hear anything? Um, my first one was um, very, very, very nervy. Mm. Um, I was just literally I was there with the stethoscope on and I could hear interference from the stethoscope coming through so then mm. I just sat and just made sure there was no dual sounds or any any pulse yeah. any heart rate or anything the like that the first few I like that isn't um, it you don't know what you're hearing sometimes you're yeah. hearing your own heartbeat sometimes exactly like and my heart's pounding away so I'm just like <coughs> and in my head is once I certify death That's I've it. certified death That's death. so death, I death, better death. be right yeah it's um, weird and I remember it's the ones in the side rooms where you go mm, in and then the yeah. room and now we're a bit normalised and I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm looking mm-hmm. for but the first few were a bit weird and surreal and I didn't know and the way it works you have to call out their name and you have to kind of push quite firmly on certain regions of the body to elicit exactly. pain which kind of elicits a response afterwards in a normal mm. um, individual who's alive and those things I find it weird I find it very disrespectful and Sometimes, but but the thing is, you, you have to do it because what if they respond to it? The yeah, pain no, I, yeah, I appreciate. No, that's do you do thing is. where you like um, you you put them in a very nice way and you put the covers up. And I like, always because I, that's I, respect. Like, yeah, like that is respect. That, that mm. the main thing is that's so important for me, mm. and like you just want to, and I it's like you do everything very softly, very nicely, very correctly, mm-hmm. and then you sign the certificate. Um, on the notes and then you move on but yeah. the first few was a very weird and surreal experience I agree and I didn't want I to agree. make any mistakes and I remember I read it again made sure I certified that the right time the right day exactly who was the witness and filling in all that information mm. um, but yeah that one was a bit tricky for me yeah, so yeah and then I guess the next thing we have to do as doctors is then fill out the death certificate for mm. the family yeah. um, and that's essentially writing down the details of the death mm. um, and the causes Mm. The causes of death. I think that's the main, mm. the main bit. I think that's more of the formalities. Making sure the cons- mm. you can ask the consultant. I think everything before that mm. is where you're like the main person doing everything. That's the bit that mm. really shakes you up. You're right. It completely mm. shakes you up. To- even talking about it, mm. it I think we, we haven't been doctors long enough. Yeah, to kind to of be, um, yeah. just talking about it. Um, but yeah, that's about it, I guess, isn't it? Can you think of anything else that you wanna no, discuss I think, um, about this? Uh, it was more a somber episode um, but these it's the reality of life to be fair exactly um, and I think it's good to talk about it and it's probably a good experience for people that may not know how the process works mm-hmm. or may not know mm-hmm. the insight um, so on that note I think we'll, we'll call it um, mm-hmm. once again an immense thank you to all the people that have been supporting us um, and sharing it we hope you found some benefit in this episode uh, but it's just good for us to kind of get off our chest and talk about it exactly um, exactly and if you you know if you do want to reach out to us if you are struggling or want mm. some advice or need someone to talk to me and Amza are more than happy we're here we're only um, a message away so literally a only a message away um, and on that note we'll see you next week see you then